What is going on, Trash Talkers? We are back with another episode for you. Today, we start off by debating whether the Lakers or the Clippers will be the team to represent the Western Conference in the finals. Plus, we dissect the issues with the Milwaukee Bucks and discuss whether they might be one and done in the playoffs. Next, we discuss whether fans should be held back from sporting events due to the coronavirus outbreak. Finally, did Dak Prescott really pass up $33 million a year just to get franchise tagged, or is this all part of his master plan? All that and much more coming your way right now. tuning in we have a lot to get to today we're going to just jump right in i want to start off with uh, some of the bigger news that we've heard so far and that would be the los angeles lakers who are making the rounds in the nba they've won 11 of their last 12 games and have gone through teams like the celtics the clippers the pelicans the sixers and the milwaukee bucks if the lakers are firing on all cylinders nick do you think that they can be stopped as of right now no this is outrageous what they're able to do against these top tier teams we've seen teams like 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 you mentioned the clippers and the celtics these these top tier teams who have faced again the other top tier teams in the league and had bad bad times with them and now you just see the the lakers just going roughshod right through all of them with pretty much ease and they're only just you know, grazing the surface of their true potential because at the beginning of the year it was all of them just figuring out themselves, figuring out their chemistry as a team, and now you really see it coming together and really coming to fruition how everybody pictured it. And I think a lot of it is uh, definitely developing because of what happened with Kobe Bryant, and they feel that brotherhood stronger than ever because of the the city of Los Angeles was was hurt for a while, and they kind of brought each other back together and that definitely helped them out a lot and as we, we've seen the success they've had as of late and it, it's all really been at the top with LeBron James uh, I know Anthony Davis has had better numbers than him but LeBron James ha- has always been the, the biggest leader in that locker room he's always kept the Lakers together and he's been the the biggest uh, leader for for the young guys he, he has helped them prosper into stronger players, and that's why all of them are such a great unit and they're having all the success. Maybe, but I, I want to just get into the fact that, like, there's still that monster that shares the same arena with them called the Clippers. You talk about the, Lo- the city of Los Angeles. The Clippers feel that, too. They may not be Lakers, but everybody felt the loss of Kobe, right? It's not. It wasn't just a Laker thing. It was a league-wide thing. Most of these players... Um, that are leading these teams have have either been mentored by, uh, coached by, or played with Kobe Bryant. So I I would I I'm still a believer in the Clippers. I believe that you know they took this game off a little bit. That that game specifically against the Lakers. I want I want to just address that they've already beaten the Lakers twice. They've shown that they can handle them. And I know you said that it was you know they were still getting used to each other. The Lakers were. But so were the Clippers, and now you've added multiple pieces on both sides. I, I'm still saying that Kawhi Leonard 
and Paul George are going to show up when it is time, and you're going to see that over over the span of a seven-game series that Kawhi Leonard is going to be able to have his way with defending LeBron James, and if it's not him, they're going to switch out with Paul George, Patrick Beverly, uh, you name it. They're going to be able to throw bodies at LeBron, and Anthony Davis is not somebody who's going to be able to handle the scoring load by, him spe- by himself, especially with somebody who, who handles the ball 65 to 70% of the time he's on the floor like LeBron James does. I, I just but, don't see that there's, happening. There's only one person really on the, on the Clippers who can handle LeBron James one-on-one. That's Kawhi. I don't expect Paul George to handle that. Even when he's healthy... Uh, Paul but George. he did it in the East. I mean, even when Paul George was in Indiana, he, he did that. Right, but that was pre-injury. That was when he was at the peak of his career. He hasn't been the same player when he got hurt in the Olympics. Right, he, but you're, he, you can't tell me that LeBron's the same player that he was in Miami or let alone Cleveland. I mean, he's also come off a little bit as well. You know, he's older. He's not moving as fast as he once was. I mean, he's still a great player and one of the top three players in the NBA. But I would I would beg to differ that Paul George can't t- uh, handle his own against LeBron James. But then you add in the factor of you have Kyle Kuzma, you have uh, Rajon Rondo, Avery Bradley, and then you have uh, Anthony Davis, who's just an absolute monster. Like I mentioned before, his stats are even better than LeBron because everybody's so focused on LeBron James that Anthony Davis has an easier time. And he's a lot bigger of a body. He's harder to, to match up with. These teams that are the top teams in the league don't have many people that can cover a big body like LeBron James and Anthony Davis at the same time. It's a very hard combination to match up against. Right, but and the that's problem why so many people are having issues with it. But the problem I see with the Lakers is that nobody can create their own shot off the dribble except for LeBron James. Everybody else needs to be part of a of a running system. So if he's not on the floor, I don't know where the offense is going to come from. Now they they did add Markeith Morris, which was which was great. But when I'm talking about the Clippers, they have Marcus Morris. Who knows Markeith better than Marcus? Nobody. Right. Okay, but we just saw in a couple games ago, Marcus Morris played over 25 minutes in a game, had one point. Okay, what does that do? that's an anomaly, though. I mean, you know Marcus Morris is going to be able to put up better numbers than that, especially in a playoff series. I, but he's not getting the ball a lot. It's all Kawhi and it's all Paul, Paul George. He's not getting the ball that much. But he's he wasn't a, supposed to. That's not his role. His role on the team is to be the sixth man, to, to make sure that the, the bench can handle the load while Kawhi and Paul George are on, were not on the floor, that they can handle everything and make sure that, you know, if, if Kawhi and Paul George go to the bench with a lead, that lead stays intact. I think Marcus Morris is even above that, and he can, you know, say say Kawhi and PG go go to the bench and there's a deficit. I think Marcus Morris can even help close that that deficit. Not by himself. It, Not I by himself, think... but look at the bench that they have. It's they're they have a strong team, but they're not cohesive. And the biggest reason why is they've been plagued by the injury bug all season. They haven't had enough time to actually build a, a chemistry together that's allowed them to get below the surface of their their true talent, their true potential. And that's where the the Lakers have just surpassed them. They've they've been together. They have had the luxury of not getting injured that that much. Yeah. You know, 
the the biggest injury is LeBron James right now with this groin injury. He's out a couple games here and there, but th- this isn't Paul George sitting out for weeks at a time. This is they're able to continue to develop and grow, and, and that's really what helps you down the line when you need to rely on your your second team to get you some points. They already understand each other. They they know what's going on. They're, they don't have this influx of players in and out, and they're trying to re- like learn these new players' style of play. It, it's very different in that sense, and that's where the Clippers are just they're struggling. They need to be able to find, uh, be able to be more cohesive without playing with each other, and then it's like that's an extremely hard task to to accomplish. Right, but we're not at the playoffs yet. There's still time for that to happen, and and you've got a month and a half. Right, but just because, like, think about it this way: just because they may they may not even get the one seed, I still think the Clippers are the better team. They have, I believe, they have more talent. I believe that they are deeper with talent, and ultimately, you you have somebody in Kawhi Leonard who went to Los Angeles. He is hungry. He wants to show the world that he was he was worth the move, and that you know he's on a revenge tour. He's still on the same revenge tour that he was on after uh, Pop shipped him up to Toronto for what he thought was going to be a death sentence. Instead, he won the won the title last year with Toronto. He's He came here, built the team with Paul George, and said, we're going to build it my way. We're going to win this way. And he has come and shown in droves that he can win basketball games. Now, he can do it in the regular season, but we sure as hell know he can do it in the postseason. And I know we're, right, but we're destined what, but, to see these two face off. But what did he have in Toronto? He had consistency. A lot of those players didn't get hurt. They were, they were able to build the chemistry needed. They weren't that team it, that they were in the playoffs for uh, you know the beginning half of the season. But as the second half of the season came on, they found each other. And that's exactly where the Lakers are. But so Pascal it, Siakam and Kyle Lowry, as good as they are, they are not Paul George. Paul George is going to be there in the playoffs. He just is. And and the fact of the matter is that he's going to be able to put up better numbers than they were able to do. So if you're you're telling me that he was able to do what we saw last year with Toronto, and I, I understand it was in the Eastern Conference, but he's going to be able to do it with better talent and a deeper talent than he had last year. I, I don't see how you can bet against Kawhi Leonard and at this point in time you you it's talk not to, betting against Kawhi Leonard it's a betting against all the players around him and their consistency especially Paul George he's very up and down he's he hasn't been that consistent I, I think that if we're talking about a seven game series he's got he is consistent over the against long the Laker stretch. team you need to be consistent every single night if you want to have a chance at beating them that's not true because not everybody is going to show out for the Lakers you have you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and like I said, beyond them, there is nobody else who is really going to make their get their own shot. Especially, even you can add Anthony Davis to that list when it comes to creating their own shot off the dribble. He he can do his little post up move, but that that's simple. They're they're going to be able to work around that, and he's not going to be fed as much as as people think he's going to be because LeBron James in. In the playoffs, he's going to handle the ball more. He's going to control the tempo. He's going to make it. It's his time to shine, and that's exactly what he's going to show us. LeBron James is, like you said, one of the best athletes still to this day, and Kawhi Leonard is up there with him. But when you really have to take into account everybody, and 
when it's all said and done, the the Los Angeles Clippers are nowhere near the the Lakers, and we saw that in the last game. Yeah, I mean, it was a great game. It was a tough-fought victory for the Lakers, and it, it was pretty close. But don't expect that all the time. It, if they were, if this was a seven-game series, the Lakers are going to win it in five games. They're they're not gonna have too much of an issue. It's very easy to pinpoint the the weaknesses on the Clippers because they haven't played so much time together that you can you can pick those up easily and expose them. The Lakers they're still finding themselves and they're getting stronger as each game goes on. So it's very it's it's a lot harder for the Clippers to figure out where those weaknesses lie because they are fixing those weaknesses as the the season goes on. I don't think there's enough time for the Clippers to fix all of their weaknesses or enough to get past the the Lakers. Well, one of the play, one of the players that's going to be tasked with uh guarding LeBron James especially in a playoff series is Patrick Beverly and as most of you have probably heard by now Patrick Beverly said that there is quote no challenge to guarding LeBron James uh I just do you like what he had to say uh even after the loss no absolutely not Patrick Beverly he's trying to put up a front Patrick Beverly is the player that everybody hates but would love on their team and he is uh, he he got destroyed honestly by LeBron James. I don't know what he's trying to do if he's trying to keep him, him his own mind at bay trying to not get scared because he knows he's going to have to go up against LeBron in the future. It, it, this this is complete BS. I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know how you can say that. Patrick Beverly is living rent-free in LeBron James's head. I mean it's just that simple. Patrick Beverly you I don't think he got destroyed in the last game. LeBron James, every time he saw Patrick Beverly on him, he made Avery Bradley come set a screen so that there was a switch and he didn't but have to deal with Patrick Beverly. that's the cohesiveness. That's the chemistry working. They understand each other's weaknesses. They understand how to get past them, and that's exactly what they did. You don't think Doc Rivers is looking at that and looking at the tape and saying, okay, in a playoff series, if that's what he's going to do, we're going to crash on him. I mean, it's that but simple. The players under, but the players on the Lakers understand each other better. If they see that happening, there's always going to be somebody left open. Because, yeah, you're going to double up LeBron James almost every single time. If not, you're going you're gonna to suffer from it in ISO. Or if you, if, once you double, triple him up, there's always going to be somebody open. So He's not going to be doubled. You already understand that Kawhi Leonard is going to be on LeBron but James. But not, not always. It's not always. No, if it's Ka- not him, it's going to be Patrick Beverly or Paul George who can, all ha- who can both handle their own against him. That's what I'm saying. The Clippers aren't here to show the world what they can do against the Lakers in the regular season. They're here to show that they can still stick with them even without showing anything. And that's exactly what that, what that game specifically told me. The more impressive game to me was the Lakers beating the Bucks. That was a huge game. And, uh, I mean, Giannis went down at the end of it, but that didn't matter because the score was already pretty much set by that time. Uh, you know, uh, the teams we listed were the Celtics, the Clippers, the Pelicans, the Sixers, and the Bucks. The Celtics, when they when they faced the, the Lakers, they were down half their starters, okay? The Clippers... We we've we just went into detail about that. The Pelicans are still young; they're up and coming. Zion just got his first taste of LeBron James. It was the, you know, everybody was so excited to talk about that. The Seventy Sixers, I mean, the, my God, they are just atrocious. Um, ben Simmons down, Joel Embiid down. I mean, nobody knows even what's if, happening. Even in if Philadelphia. they weren't hurt, they're still hot garbage. Well, they're, they're, uh, yes, and that that's yeah, different. 
that's a, a different topic for another day. But and and then the Bucks, they beat the Bucks. So out of that list, that was the most impressive win to me. But I saw what the Clippers can do against the same team, and it showed me that the Clippers and, and Lakers are pretty much even. If not the like I said, the Clippers in my mind are still a little step ahead of the Lakers. And I think in a seven game series, which I think we both agree will go seven games. I think the Clippers will edge it out. I've already said that this this seven-game series is only going to five. I don't think that the Clippers are going to be able to put, to beat the Lakers more than once. They're, the, the Clippers will get one game probably early on, second game, and the Lakers are going to fix their, their, their mistakes. Uh, I... I profoundly there, disagree and we're, gonna we're be, going to consider we're going to see moving forward exactly what what's going to happen there but I, I just can't imagine that you know the especially with a coach like Doc Rivers he's going to allow that to happen you talk about all the times that Doc Rivers has had to deal with LeBron James he has a pretty good understanding of what needs to be done he's had a tough time figuring him out over the course of these the, the last couple decades I don't. I don't know what's really changing now. I mean, he beat him when Doc was in Boston. He won a championship going through LeBron James, and then LeBron created the uh, the the three headed monster down in Miami just just to answer that. I mean, not a, not many teams were able to beat that Miami Heat team. Then he went back to Cleveland, and by that time, Doc was in the on the West Coast. Now here we are again. I mean, it's. It, you know, since then we we haven't seen too much, but Doc Rivers is a very good coach, and I know that he's going to have his team readily prepared. And I know Kawhi Leonard he he went to Los Angeles to be in LeBron's face. Patrick Beverly living rent free in LeBron's head. They're going to get after him, and they're going to make it very uncomfortable for LeBron James in that entire series. I'm not as sold as you're by any means. I don't. There, there, you're not going to be able to to sway me. I, I'll, I, will pretty much bet anything that the Lakers will be showing up in the finals, pretty much unscathed. I, I, I profoundly disagree. But we we shall see moving forward. Um, I want to jump back to a, a topic we just kind of brushed over, and that was the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. So the Bucks have been on a three-game losing streak. Uh, they lost Giannis to a minor knee sprain in the first game of that losing streak. Um, his status is still up in the air this week. They have a, a, a huge game against the Celtics coming up on Thursday, um, which, which will be big for both teams. Um, do you, I want to know what your thoughts are. Uh, do, how much does the success of the Bucks organization depend on... Giannis being healthy and being the best player on the planet at that point. I don't know if it relies on him being the best player on the planet, but they need him if they want to move forward in the playoffs. Giannis has really proven since he's been out that he is the the heartbeat to their their entire team. Without him, they aren't going anywhere. They don't have enough weapons, uh, big enough weapons, to go up against the top teams in the East. The Celtics, Toronto, Miami—they're—they're they're gonna go get past the Bucks if Giannis isn't there. And w- now that Giannis isn't there, they're now able to see all the flaws within Milwaukee and then expose them because they're not all gonna be sealed up by the time the playoffs roll around. And and you'll they'll 
it, it's very easy once one of these players leaves to to see those 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 holes, and then once the player goes back in, see where those remaining holes lie, because they're not all closed up, and once you're able to pick those apart, then it becomes that much easier. And these teams in the East, they're no slouches. They are very they're very deep rosters. They they have a lot of talent. So I I think the the Milwaukee Bucks are going to have a tough time moving forward if if Giannis isn't able to come back and be as ferocious as he was in the first half of the season. Um, he, he, he's really got to carry this Milwaukee Bucks team on his back. I think the most underrated free agency move uh, in the NBA this, uh, this past offseason was um, the Bucks losing... Uh, I can't think of his name. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Sorry. So the he, Malcolm Brogdon went to the Pacers in free agency and left the Bucks. That left Eric Bledsoe as the only uh, other player who can kind of dribble, drive in, score from the outside, do his thing. He's he's the most athletic player outside of Giannis. So if you remove Giannis from the equation, Eric Bledsoe is not going to be able to hold up his end of the bargain to carry a team throughout the playoffs in either the East or the West. It doesn't matter. There's no team that, that Eric Bledsoe can carry by himself. And before anybody gets on my case, I, I understand Chris Middleton is there, but we, we also understand that he's not the most athletic person in the world. So his ability to dribble drive really, uh, his inability to dribble drive, I should say, uh, really, hinders what the Bucks can do. So you're looking at the size of the Bucks, and that's what gives a lot of people issue. It's because they have a, a you know, a small forward slash point guard at seven feet tall, and he can, you know, he's a physical freak, which is why they call him the Greek freak. But the fact that remains is that, you know, they can beat you with size. Um, but when you're talking about players like Bledsoe and, uh, Middleton c- trying to carry the load. I just don't see that the Bucks will be able to do anything. And I think right now this shows how vulnerable they actually are. You're looking at a team like the Miami Heat with Jimmy Butler, uh, the Celtics with Tatum, Brown, and Gordon Hayward. Um, you have the Toronto who always plays Milwaukee uh, really well. Uh, Milwaukee struggles with them. Um and and there's a few other teams on the back end of the East as well. I I think this shows a lot of flaws in Milwaukee, and I, I'm a little hesitant to say that, you know, this could be uh, one of the hardest falls we see by a one seed in a long time. Yeah, I think that's very true. Uh, Milwaukee, they're, they're kind of a fluke, and I think it was only a matter of time until they got exposed. I know it's they're without Giannis, but... I think they're they're finally showing their true colors. If you can't deal with without one player on your roster, then you you're in some serious trouble because you can't let one player dictate how everything flows for your entire team. Uh on especially on both sides of the ball, it you need to be able to dignify roles within each player, find the strengths within everyone and then use those to your advantage. It just seems like a lot of the players on Milwaukee haven't found their their role on the team uh, and they're kind of just playing as individuals and so it, that's that's where a lot of it lies it's it's always been get Giannis the ball get Giannis the ball and let him match up against whoever you know on defense 
uh, to make the play. So now they're kind of in shambles. They don't really know what to do because he's always done the thinking for them. It's always right. And like I said with the Lakers' depth is that uh, Milwaukee's players outside of Giannis cannot create their own shot. They, they just do not have the, the capacity to do so and create space for shooters or, or do anything that their coach is looking to implement. You know, with Giannis on the floor, he commands at least a double team. So you always have somebody who's kind of cheating over. That allows Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton to kind of sit back on the arc and, and just take spot-up threes as soon as Giannis, you know, backs down into the paint and then he he passes out to, to the arc. Um, and then if, if that's not the case, if, if they still stay on the outside, Giannis can either take it himself with a one-on-one or... He, if somebody else comes from the uh, front court to, to help him out, then he's got players like Brooke Lopez who can really dominate as a big man. Um, so when you remove that much of a factor away from a team, especially a team that was built around his abilities, the entire team just becomes shambles. They're, they're just pieces at that point that, that go to nothing. It's, like, it's almost like breaking a, a pot and saying that, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, like a, a glass vase and removing half the pieces and saying, make it the same thing. It, it's not it's not going to happen and it's going to be severely flawed. That's exactly what the, the Milwaukee Bucks are. Yeah. And, and I'll leave it with this. As you alluded to before, the, this is going to be one most disappointing one seeds that we've seen in a very long time. Milwaukee Bucks are, will be out in the first round of the playoffs. They they don't have much of a backbone anymore. Giannis is not going to be the same. No player can come back from any injury within the season and be the exact same player. I don't think as time goes on, they're either going to try to rush him back or they're not going to bring him back in time and things are just going to get out of control. And so I think Milwaukee is in for a very rude awakening and things are not looking pretty for them in the future. Yeah. Um, well, kind of on the, on the same line of thinking with Milwaukee and Giannis, uh, it would be a shame if he just wasn't there at all, right? So there have been reports that the Warriors are going to make a very, very hard run at Giannis in the offseason. Um, and, you know, that would ultimately put the Milwaukee Bucks as the probably one of the worst teams in the NBA at that point if he were to leave. So if he leaves for Golden State, do you think, A, can the Bucks rebound from that? I, I personally think no. I just don't see a way where Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe can carry a team. And you're going to see players like Brooke Lopez kind of just fall. They're either going to retire or they're going to ask to get traded and go to another, excuse me, another team. I I don't see players um, leaving because Giannis isn't there, but I also don't expect Giannis to leave. This, this is his team. He, he's found his identity in Milwaukee and this is a system that works for him. He he saw the outrage that came when Kevin Durant went to Golden State and, and how he's still treated to this day. I don't think Giannis, knowing all that, is going to make that that decision. Yeah, but, like, it's just... It, it took a while. Kevin Durant handles situations a lot differently than Giannis does. Giannis doesn't give two two dams what anybody thinks about him or I, his play I don't think or that where at he, all. I, I, 
I disagree. He, I think that, you know, he's his own person. I mean, he's made his way here from Greece. He he had to have, t- uh, you know, thick skin at some point, you know? It, right, it just, but he, after a while, you get accustomed to being loved by everyone. I don't think there's many people in the league or fans that love the NBA that hate or dislike Giannis. He he is a great player. He He has always been a role model for a lot of people. I don't think he is going to want the bad reputation that comes with, oh, you're just a bandwagon. You're go- you're you're a ring chaser. You know he he wants to build his own thing. He saw what LeBron did in Cleveland. He may have not done it on his first run in Cleveland, but he came back and and he won it because that that's where his roots were. And Giannis built his roots in Milwaukee. There's no removing those. Like he, he has firmly planted those roots and. I think he he knows it within himself that he owes a championship. Yeah, but Giannis isn't from Milwaukee. Milwaukee. He's not. No, he's he's from Greece. I mean, but LeBron James is from Ohio. Take, he's a you, Cleveland you're taking native. On, you're taking on that mentality of the city that when Tom Brady is not from uh, Foxborough, but he is fully embedded into the the Boston culture. No matter you know. It, he has it, yes, but he's also so been here ingrained. for twenty years. Where Giannis has been there overnight, uh, basically. I mean, he's been there for what uh, four years now. I mean, but it it doesn't take that long to get. That's a long time in in a career in a uh, pro sports career. You know, basketball players have what a 12, 12 year career at the highest level. Mm, it's not right. Re- not really. I mean, the highest. Okay, level we're not is we're like not talking about. But we're not talking about LeBron James or Kobe Bryant that come in right after high school. Giannis was what twenty three years old when he came into the league. He wa- he wasn't that that young. So to be able to sustain sustain success for that long is a great feat. And with pretty much a third of his career, if you want to argue with me, a quarter of his career already over, I think that means that he's already planted his roots in Milwaukee. I. I I and with see, them uh, not being able, not having to pay anybody else, he's going to get the max no matter what. I don't think another team, especially Golden State, is going to be able to pay a max. They're going to have to remove some parts like Draymond Green. It's just things aren't going to work. If you told me I had to give up Draymond Green for Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, I'd say where do I sign and for how much? I mean, it's it's really all that simple. Uh, Giannis is Giannis would essentially be the the bearer of bad news for every other team in the Western Conference because they might as well just jump ship at that point. He because he'll be able to handle LeBron James. He'll be able to hand Ka- handle Kawhi Leonard. On top of that, you already have Clay Thompson and and uh, Steph Curry. Um, plus, they're going to have an insane pick this year. They they could end up with freaking Lamelo Ball. I mean, it's they have. Well, yeah, they're gonna get their pick of the litter. They're probably gonna have the number one pick. So right. So if but if they were to take that and do a sign in trade and say we'll give you our pick for Giannis, do you think that no. the Bucks should think about that? Absolutely not. No, because you're not gonna take. A, a lot of teams don't like taking that risk that a pick is gonna become the player they're supposed to be. If you have a young player like a, a Giannis or a Luka, you're not going to move them away for someone you think might be better than them. You're going to take the the guaranteed they are a superstar and, and they're, you know, we're going to build around them. 
Giannis is still a young player. He still has a lot of time in this league. So there's there's plenty of time for them to build up a roster around him. You don't have to... This isn't the NFL where you only have a three-year window to win a championship. You can always build pieces, especially in free agency. There's There's always great players available. I think Milwaukee was so they were so happy of where they were last year in the playoffs that they didn't see a big reason they should go out and get another big name superstar in Milwaukee. And now they're seeing the repercussions of that. And they, they let some of their, uh, you know, like you said, Malcolm Brogdon leave. Well, they, and they that, realized... that, that was the issue is that Malcolm Brogdon did a lot more for that team than anybody was willing to uh, give him credit for, especially giving credit by offering him the contract that he wanted because you know even though he's in Indiana right you've also got Miles Turner and uh, Victor Oladipo when he gets healthy so the three of them are going to be an insane problem for the East on top of that now Kyrie Irving and KD are going to be healthy next year for the Nets I mean next year is going to be very very tough uh area for for a team like Milwaukee um and then Giannis may look at that and say it might be time to go go play with some actual superstars because Milwaukee's not getting anybody to sign there and uh right but that that's what I'm getting at now is they realize the mistakes they made in this past offseason by letting players go and not go getting anybody to replace them at but they that don't level. they also don't have the cap space to, to go get anybody it's not the NFL where the the cap is crap. This is, I mean, the the NBA has very strict rules on you know the cap. Right, space. but okay, Giannis is one of your super max. You you still have room. I don't know. Who, they gave it to is, Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe is the, is he a super max or a max? He's a max, but then they also have Chris Middleton. They have Brooke Lopez. These aren't like these aren't low tier paid guys. These are higher tier paid guys. Right, but so. It's it's not about having two supermax. It's about having multiple high level paid players. That so you're t- you're basically taking a supermax and dividing it up into two or three players. And that's what the Bucks did is that they're taking their their cap space and dividing it into more players and more depth, other than rather than getting an extra superstar. And I don't think that's the way to go. I don't think we've seen a team win um, without at, at least two superstars on, on the team. In, in recent no, years. No, it, I mean, it, you talk about Toronto last year would be the closest one, but even they still had Kyle Lowry and, and Kawhi Leonard. So I, I really don't know who else you can point to and say they didn't have two superstars and they still won. No, I, I think that that's accurate, but I think you also need to look ahead to this upcoming draft, which is absolutely riddled with top-tier talent. And if you're able to get your hands, I know the, the Bucks aren't going to have a great draft pick, but if they can squeeze their way up a little bit and, and go get a high, uh, better draft pick, there is so much talent in this draft that they could build another superstar alongside Giannis and make them the, the, the you know, pinnacle of what it is to be in Milwaukee. And, and that'll bring people into the, the Bucks organization. You you can work. There's different ways you can work it so you grab talent from other teams. You also have the trade deadline. There's always players. There's always you know cap casualties that teams need to make. 
they can always restructure. You might have to give up an Eric Bledsoe or someone of that caliber to go get two or three players that can help you in so many more ways. There, there's a lot the Bucks can do. They need to understand a lot about themselves. They need to realize what is truly they, their their scheme, how they want to to play, how how their coach wants to develop this team, and you, it's all centered around Giannis. And so you want to get pieces that help him the most, build off of his weaknesses, so you're an even stronger unit. And, and you can do a lot of that without uh, going after the biggest names. You can always build up players within that work in your system because they work in your system. I I don't see the Bucks being able to to grab any top tier talent in the draft. Um, I I just don't see them being able to do so. And outside of Giannis, I haven't seen them able to uh, really groom any other top talent. I mean, you talk about Giannis, but he was already a pro in Europe before he came along. So that was a good pick. They didn't really have to groom him. I haven't seen anything from Milwaukee that says they're able to do that. So I'm a little iffy on whether they can or cannot do, do something like that. Um, I, I just want to float it out there real quick. Um, if Giannis, this is an if scenario, if Giannis does leave, goes to the Warriors, do you think that makes the Warriors the prohibitive favorites to win the, the NBA title? Oh, without a doubt. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. That, so as long as we're on the same page there, because I don't know another team that will be able to beat them. I just don't. I mean, no, and every, every uh, you know, free agent that's willing to take a... Um, veteran minimum is going to want to go to that team to get it to they're going to go rain chasing at that point so you know we'll we'll see if that happens but uh you doubt that the warriors can land him i believe that they have a very good shot at doing so um we'll see there's a lot there um i want to change the topic a little bit though so this is a fun uh sports filled podcast we need to talk about something that's uh, not really sports-related, but is affecting the sports that we love to watch. So the NBA, the NHL, and MLS have all floated the idea of playing games without fans in the stands as a result to contain the exposure to the, cor- the deadly coronavirus that everybody's uh, upset about. For players, media, and essential staff um, to be safe, do you think that this is the proper protocol to follow in response to the outbreak? No, this is completely ridiculous. And we we see how the players are reacting. They hate it as much as the fans do. You can't take away... When something is going bad, you can't take away the one thing that gets their mind off of it. And and that's always sports. When 9-11 happened, we had baseball. You have... Sports is always the thing that brings people together and gets them through the dark times. And by exiling all these fans to their homes and saying, nope, you're going to have to watch an empty stadium, watch 5v5 basketball, it's going to be the most depressing thing. It's just, it's not, it's not good. And no one, I I don't think this is, this is going to be implemented. The repercussions are just going to be, they're going to be bad. Yeah, if I wanted to go to, uh, if I wanted to see five-on-five basketball with nobody cheering, I'll go to my local New York sports club and uh, go watch those pickup <laughs> games because that that's essentially what you're going to see is just a bunch of practice basketball. And, like, okay. 
You're going to hear squeaky shoes on a court, yeah. Yeah, and, but you're going to hear all the, the communications from the players, and that might be cool until they're F-bombing their way outside of uh, te- you know the television ability to actually show the game. So it's just going to be you know muted sound every three seconds because people don't really understand what's said on the court, and I don't think a lot of people want to know what's said on the court. And I mean, if you've <laughs> ever played sports, I think you know what's said. <laughs> right. Now imagine at the highest level... And those people are even more ultra competitive than when you and I were playing high school sports. A lot different. So yeah. I, I think that um, I think this is absolutely uh, a terrible idea for major league for major league soccer, National Hockey League, and National Basketball Association. All three of them need to realize that you can't protect people from being stupid. And I mean that in the sense that everybody uh, everybody knows what's going on. If you don't, you're also not going to a basketball game, okay? It's that simple. That means you live under a freaking rock. Your name is Patrick Starr, and you live under a rock. Um, the You know, at that point, everybody understands if they're going to buy tickets to a Celtics game, if they're going to go to a Lakers game or a, a, a Carolina Hurricanes game, whatever it is, right? They understand the risk. That means if they're going, uh, you know, on the subway or or the train to get there, or if they're, you know, doing uh, share car rides through through Uber or whatever the case is, they understand the risks that they're getting into. And I understand that people are going to say, well, these commissioners just want to limit that risk. I don't believe, personally, I do not believe that it is the duty of these commissioners to make the decisions for fans. I think fans have to make the decisions for themselves. They are individual human beings who can make the decision whether or not they want to be in a crowd of thousands of people during something like the coronavirus being spread. I don't think that they should be forced into not being able to. And we saw LeBron James who, you know, he... He said that he didn't want to play a game in front of an empty arena, and then he kind of walked his comments back by saying that it just wouldn't feel right. And it's true. I've, I've heard a lot of athletes who said that they don't want to play in front of an empty arena because a lot of the times when they're struggling to get going, it's the crowd that gets them into it. And, and the, you know, sports, from even when you're a little kid, you love looking into the crowd and hearing people cheer and, and seeing people watching you do your thing. Now, like I said, bring that to the highest level, the highest competitive level. People aren't doing that. That is the the most weird thing that you can possibly find. And it, that shows to me that there should be mass panic. And I, I think you need to limit the ability for mass panic at that point. Yeah, I, I think that that's pretty well said. I don't I don't have too much to add to that, but you no, know, you're right. That you can't let you can't dictate everybody's you know mind. I think we can trust each other enough to know that we're not gonna know, knowingly and willingly infect others in this you know in the in the times we're, we're in. It, it, we're all being as cautious as we can to avoid these situations. And if you know you're going to uh, an arena filled with people, you're going to make sure that you are safe yourself as well as making sure that you're keeping everybody else safe. Absolutely. And 
all you have to do, right? Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. It's, it's that simple. And if you're worried that, you know, you've gotten contaminated or that germs were spread on you, put your clothes from your body into the wash, wash them right away, jump in the shower. You will be like, you're, you're get you're disinfecting your body with, with all of that. So if you want to go that far, you can, but it, it can't be up to commissioners of leagues to decide that no fans are going to be allowed inside the arena. I honestly, I don't know if I'll be watching sports on TV. If, if that's where they go with this, um, I, you know, we talked about the three sports that are in season right now. Well, Major League Baseball is currently monitoring the situation. They want to make a decision on whether to cancel opening day or let it proceed as normal. I just can't see them. Now we're talking about going from, you know, playing the game with nobody there to outright canceling games and shortening the season because of, because of an outbreak. And I think that's also wrong. Right. Well, I think I think there is a difference between playing a game without anybody there to watch and spectate yeah. versus canceling it all together. Because I look at Italy, France, Germany, all these countries that are canceling all sports or halting all sports to, uh, because the the outbreak is getting that bad. And right, but we're you, not, t- you the just United talked States about is, it. You just talked about the fact that people need something to get. I don't want to hear about coronavirus every five seconds. And, you know, and, and as hard as it is to break away from some hearing about stuff like that, the only sanctity I have is following sports and listening to sports. And, and if I can't even do that, I, like, what am I supposed to do? Hide my uh, then I become one of those Patrick Starr under the rock people. I mean, that, that's that's right, really but, what it is. But I'm saying that those countries are on a whole other level as far as the outbreak goes. And we're we're not even touching the surface and the media in the United States is blowing everything so out of proportion that everybody's in mass panic and it's causing the commissioners and the executives of the league to put out these ideas that maybe we should do this, maybe we should do that. And that that's the completely wrong mentality. You need you need to stay positive in these situations, and just take it step by step. Don't be irrational about anything. Yeah, I mean, for the people who are out there buying, you know, droves of toilet paper and and masks and all the other nonsense, this isn't a snowstorm. This is a virus. It is completely different. I I I saw a picture of a local store. Uh, I'm not going to say where I live. But a local store posted a picture on social media, and it w- their entire antibacterial section was wiped clean. They they and you know it was just gone. Every soap, uh, every toilet paper, every paper towel, tissues, everything gone. It's just like why why is there mass hysteria? It's because people are perpetuating misinformation, and. I understand that there's still a lot we don't know about this, but we have seen that a lot of people who take the time to wash their hands and not touch their face have done increasingly well. I would say that if we follow those same steps, you will also be, you know, you'll also stay pretty safe. Absolutely. I'm done talking about coronavirus. Uh, I, I I will leave it on this note. I did. I I don't know if I told you this. Corona, uh, the Corona, the company, 
offered the CDC $15 million to rename the coronavirus the Bud Light virus just so they could stop losing sales. I think that's kind of hilarious. Oh, that's, that, that is funny. <laughs> I, I remember when you, 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 you talked about this. That Yeah, no, that is hysterical. <laughs> and, you know, you got you to gotta feel bad for these. Not like things like the, you know, Corona and um, all these Chinese restaurants you and things coming from overseas. You can't be so hysterical about everything. You have to take it in perspective. Like think about it in a positive light because not everything is as bad as it seems ever. Right. And you have to realize what's actually going on and make up your own minds. Don't listen to everything you hear from outside sources take into consideration, but make up your own mind in the end. I, I agree. Um, I want to jump back into what we're all here for. And that's, that's sports. I don't want to take away from that. So um, I want to jump in. This is going to probably be our final uh, topic of the night and that'll be Dak Prescott. So the Cowboys offered Dak Prescott $33 million per year uh, to be the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, which in its own right gives you plenty of opportunities as we've seen with Tony Romo and Troy Aikman. And, you know, I can, I can keep going. Um, he continues to ask for more money. He wants 40 million is, is the number that he's been pegged at with, with the deadline of the franchise tag looming. Do you think the Cowboys are using their friend should use their franchise tag on Dak, Amari, Byron Jones, or someone else? As talks are continuing to go nowhere with Dak Prescott, I think it's pretty clear that you, you need to use it on Dak Prescott. I don't think he's going to get fed up enough where he's going to either hold out or never sign a long-term deal. I think he knows he belongs in Dallas, and I don't think there's any other place he really wants to be. They're gonna, they have enough money to keep everybody else around him. I have no problem, no, I no um, issues thinking that they're not going to get Amari back. Um, they're only going to not get Byron Jones back if they decide they don't want Byron Jones. That's They can afford him if they want him. But it, it's solely up to Jerry Jones deciding whether, whether he's a good fit for them uh, in the future. So I think it's really falling on... It's either Dak or no one gets franchised. And it seems that Dak is not willing to budge from that 40 mil a year. He wants to be up there with Russell Russell Wilson. I, I know the, the, the progression is you always get a bigger contract than the guy previously. But when you jump from, I, I'm not sure who had it at like 35 million, then it jumped to Russell Wilson at 40 million last offseason, you can't expect it to go above that or even equal that. If you want to have a solid team around you, this isn't, you can have a great quarterback, but it means absolutely nothing if you have no, no weapons around him on both sides of the ball. We saw that in New England. We saw that in, in Seattle. It just doesn't work. You need to have a strong team all around for all the pieces to work and, 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 it, and make sense. So $33 million a year is a great deal for a quarterback at, of his level at this time. Dak Prescott has proved nothing, especially in the postseason. I don't know what he's thinking he actually is or where he stands on the, the top quarterbacks in the league, but he's not as high as he thinks he is, and he needs to realize that soon before Jerry Jones pulls the contract from him and just tags him, and he's making even less. Well, so that's the thing, right? It's like, I think I think that's... I'm, I'm either going to paint Dak as an incredible genius 
or he's going to be dumber than rocks. And I'm going to lay out both sides and I'll, I'll let you guys choose. Um, so the, the genius part, I think he wants Jerry Jones to, to franchise him. And here's why, because if he's franchised, right, he's going to play this one year under the franchise tag. And then next year, more, more quarterbacks are going to get paid and they're going to continue to push that, that free agency number. And also more free, more quarterbacks that become free agents mean more teams that are looking to maybe change it up at the quarterback level. And that would also drive up Prescott's price even more. So maybe that is the way he wants this to go. Maybe he's asking for 40 because he known he knows that next year he'll be able to get it. Now I'm going to go to the other side. That was the genius side. This is the dumber than rocks side. Okay. I think that Dak Prescott does not realize that he's not Russell Wilson. Like you talked about Russell Wilson getting $40 million a year. That's because Russell Wilson has been to two Super Bowls and he's won one of them, right? And he, he deserves every single penny. And he almost won the second one. I mean, obviously he threw an interception on the goal line. Uh, hallelujah. But, you know, the fact of the matter is that he he did, right? He, he went to two Super Bowls. Dak hasn't been to an NFC championship game. Um, you know, there's, there's certain levels of progression. And Russell Wilson didn't end his rookie contract and get $40 million right? He ended his rookie contract, got paid the next level up, continued to ball out, continued to show that he's the franchise player that they've been looking for in Seattle. And then they rewarded him with a $40 million contract. The, the, the fact that the Cowboys haven't given him $40 million is because they don't think he's earned it yet. And I'm, I'm in the camp that says, I don't think he's earned it either. The fact is, the fact remains that he hasn't been able to win without Ezekiel Elliott. They, they've locked up Ezekiel Elliott. They have Amari Cooper. I mean, they could go after another, another quarterback and, and see how that goes, but I, I doubt that's what the Cowboys want to do. I think he's dumb for, for getting, uh, you know, for saying no to the 33. I think if they do, if they do go up and give him another, uh, another contract before the, uh, free agency starts it's going to be at 35 and it's going to be a take it or leave it deal if he if he doesn't take it then they're going to slap the franchise tag on him and call it a day yeah i I think that the the last situation you proposed is the most likely situation yeah no i do too i i don't think they're they're going to offer more than 35 he's clearly i don't even think he's worth 33 he has proved nothing I don't just because he's a consistently above average player doesn't mean that he's will he's deserving of top three quarterback money. That's just ridiculous. It, you need to prove something without having every single weapon around you. To you, you just you need to do something on your own for yourself to prove you're worth that. And that's why we see Russell Wilson why he's getting 40 million dollars a year because he's the only player on that offense that's doing anything. He has no offensive line. He hasn't had an offensive line in years. And you see what he's done? He's brought his team to the playoffs over and over and over on his back. This this he he's beyond most quarterbacks in this league and and Dak doesn't even come close to him. So to think that he Dak thinks he's on Russell's uh, level is insane. Find your place. He needs to just think, just figure out who he is and realize where he is 
in his NFL career and realize maybe maybe he wants to take a two or three year deal at thirty three thirty five million dollars and then you know after a few more seasons if he makes it to the Super Bowl or wins the Super Bowl then he could probably propose for forty million and Jerry will give it to him. So let me ask you a question: If you were a GM right now and I gave you two options at quarterback, I gave you Dak Prescott and Jimmy Garoppolo. Who would you rather have? Um, I think I'd... Oof. It, all, it all depends on the weapons around him, but I'd take Dak Prescott. I think he has okay. the higher ceiling. So do you think that it's a pretty close race between the two of them? Yeah, no. I, more, you think they're less, r- yeah, around think the same type of player, right? Yeah, I think they're pretty close. Jimmy G is making $27.5 million per right. year. He's asking for 40 let that sink in. He turned down 33. Jimmy G is getting 27 and a half. The, let that let those numbers sink in. Okay? Because he got he wanted a long-term deal. Jerry Jones gave it to him. He wanted to be one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. Jerry Jones gave it to him. Now he's demanding to be the highest paid quarterback in the league. Jerry Jones is is not a a dumb person, especially when it comes to to business and, and, you know, uh, contract negotiations. He's very astute when it comes to things like that. So I believe that Jerry Jones understands that he's got the leverage here. Dak Prescott doesn't have much of a leg to stand on because Jerry Jones has the franchise tag in play. And he also has the ability to say, you know what, if you really want to test your market, we'll, we'll slap you with a transition tag or, you know, and we'll make you a restricted free agent. We'll see what somebody else wants to give you. If somebody else wants to give you forty million dollars, we'll let the you know we'll match it at that point. Then we'll we'll you know we'll have to sink to that level. But let's see if that actually happens. And and but that's what I'm saying is that I don't believe that Dak Prescott has truly thought this through because he's he doesn't understand that he's not Russell Wilson. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not you know if you were to to rate the quarterbacks right at, at going from 2019 into 2020, Dak Prescott isn't one of the top players that you would choose to lead your franchise. You'd take Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, or Russell Wilson, or or Deshaun Watson. I mean, you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers, he, even though he's a little long in the tooth at this point. Um, you know, I, w- I, would, I would say those are pretty much the players that you're willing to start your franchise with. Dak Prescott maybe comes 12th. He- 13th maybe uh, Some, I, I somewhere around there maybe 10 i even think yeah i think he's back end of the top 10 maybe i mean you know we can we can do that uh, another day and go through you know rankings of quarterbacks you know if we want to start a franchise but right now i i just don't see where he thinks he's going to get 40 million dollars from yeah what I'm I'm upset that the the franchise and transition tag deadline has been moved from Thursday to Monday now, uh, because we're gonna have to wait a little bit longer to see how this all plays out. But I think when we uh, report back next uh, Tuesday, that we're gonna see that either Dak Prescott has been signed to a, a big contract, or he's been slapped with the franchise tag. One of those situations is gonna occur within the next week. All right, vote now. What do you think is gonna happen? Franchise tag. I think franchise tag too. On that note, we're going to leave it there. Thank you all for 
uh, tuning in, listening. Uh, I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. We had a lot to get to. Um, you know, we I want to hear what you guys thought about our discussion about the Lakers and Clippers. Let us know what you think uh, Giannis might do. And let us know, you know, I again, I understand it's not part of the sports landscape, but let us know what your thoughts on the coronavirus in sports is and whether you think fans should be told that they can't go to events or whether they should be able to, uh, or, or that they should make that decision on their own. Uh, so let us know. Uh, we're at, very active on Twitter. Um, so, you know, give us a shout anytime. Uh, we'll, we'll always uh, interact with you guys. All right. We will see you next week and uh, have a great rest of the week and we'll, we'll see you.